Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and I'm standing in for Michael Herzog today who called me this morning and uh, he's overloaded with work as are we all really in these days and times trying to get through our daily business. Most of you who know my name have heard me on other shows, uh, many radio shows and a few television stations as well. And I, I tend to put most of the information up on my own website at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and Alan Watt, sentientsentinel.eu. The approach I have to trying to educate people at this current time in history is uh, an in-depth study of what history really is and how we got to where we are today. What we're finding on all times and all ages is the people who are kept in the dark as the real machinations of governments with their agendas and their, their long-ranging plans is that the public are told fairy stories. Every generation is told a myth, which they call history, a compendium of dates and times and battles and famous people. We're never told the reasons behind them or the forces that finance them into existence because wars are very expensive. Wars take many, many years of planning before they actually take place. Nothing is ever spontaneous. You'll find even in the, in the great um, invasions of the Normans coming through Europe into Britain, uh, they, they prepared for many years before the invasion. They had thousands of carpenters building forts which they could float across the channel in pieces and put together at the other end uh, already made prefabricated forts, hundreds of them, and they had munition supplies uh, and logistical supplies going back through the Isle of Wight and the Isle of Man all the way back into Europe, and massive financing, which has never been explained to the public. And yet the same kinds of things, if you go back a thousand years prior to that, you'll find were happening in the ancient Middle East as well, with the wars there and with the wars with Greece. They say there's nothing new under the sun and that this truly the real um, facts of the day. Nothing happens by chance. I'll be back in a minute after these messages. Hi folks. I'm Alan Walsh and I'm filling in for Michael Herzog today. If you're wondering about my accent, it's because I'm from Scotland, born and bred there, and raised there. I'm going on about some of the histories that led up to where we are today and where we're going. And I'm talking about the fact that nothing happens by chance in this world. In fact, there, there's no terrorist organization that could possibly exist in the entire planet today and keep its little schemes secret because... MI6 and the CIA and the Mossad and a whole plethora of others which are all interwoven at the top and they have been since World War II have infiltrated everything in fact they set up a lot of these terrorist organizations unknown to the, the guys below who do all the dirty work and take the blame 
they become the patsies. So nothing can be kept secret in this day and age regarding uh, terrorist ambitions. However, terror in all ages has been used to alter societies by totalitarian means. We find, for instance, that the Soviet plan uh, after the revolution was to have a reign of terror copied after the French Revolution. It's very important to these guys who have their ongoing revolutions towards their goal and their agenda to use terror. And this war on terror is really a war of terror. As Carl Quigley, Professor Carl Quigley said in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, he said, an elite can get more done in five years of war than 50 years of peace and propaganda. That's what war does because governments expand their powers to cover every area, every facet of living. And that's what happened in World War II when bureaucracies just flourished. They took over industry. Basically, they became fascist, in a sense. They took over agriculture, and they put in heavy taxations. Once taxes are put on the books, they're never lifted, even though they're called temporary. So uh, they know what they're doing at the top. There are schools of thought at the top that are trained in much higher and older histories than the public ever get, even at the best universities. And it's the same with sciences, too. Some of the best scientists that work for the elite and get the largest sums of money are actually picked out of college or university before they complete their degrees, and they're given the higher truths into the higher sciences that's kept from the public. It's kept from professors all the way down to the bottom. That's how you get power. That's how you hold on to power. You do it but not sharing the knowledge of that power to the general public. We find this little club is called the Project for the New American Century, which comprised of Wolfowitz and Cheney and Rumsfeld and all these characters that are uh, in and on your television screens every day now. Uh, they wrote about their agenda in the 1990s. They talked about the necessity of taking Afghanistan, followed by Iraq, uh, then Syria and Iran, etc. This is their agenda. They're going forth with it, and they needed something on a Pearl Harbor scale event to occur to garnish public opinion behind them. You must always get public opinion when you want a war on your side. And so you have the Twin Towers, a very occultic symbol, because the Twin Towers represent the destruction of the old man and woman, the Jachin and Boaz of the, the occult and the lower Freemasonry. The old man is to be done away with, you see, and the old woman too, as you bring in a new science of genetics to create the new types that will be their servants of the future, new, new types of purpose-made human beings, which they've written about in the lower science magazines, and by that I mean the ones you buy on the shelves in bookstores. And they've told us that uh, the ideal design, the real meaning of ID, the ideal design, the purpose-made human, will be very efficient and can probably work for days without end, a kind of golem for those who understand the Kabbalah. A golem is a, an artificial slave created by a form of magic, which is just science. 
And that is the great agenda for the future. However, to get us to that step, which they knew long ago they would do, and I gave a talk this week about it, you'll find it on my website, from 1929 by a Lord Birkenhead from Britain, who went through this agenda, this glorious future, mentioning higher sciences that were totally unknown to the public until today. Yet it was published in a Hearst magazine, Cosmopolitan, in 1929, discussing this whole future, this wonderful future for this dominant minority, where they will rule the world in a, a form of utopia, the dream of the ages, as they call it, going all the way back to the days of Plato and his republic, where the common people would be bred and made uh, special for their purpose, their tasks ahead. Now they're at it with genetics, and that was always the goal of genetics, not to help the poor crippled pe person with Huntington's chorea or some hereditary uh, problem, but in actual fact to alter the whole of society except for the dominant minority who control us all. You'll find a lot of this in the writings of Arthur Kessler, who worked for MI6 as a propagandist. He also worked for the United Nations on projects on how to lobotomize the entire population without their knowing it for the general public, while he said the elite will remain unaltered because they must retain their survival capabilities since they will making, make the decisions to steer planet Earth on its course. So uh, you have many declarations like this on, uh, given out by the propagandists on behalf of this dominant minority telling us the same thing, that we've all to be basically dumbed down through all means possible. Kessler and others mentioned using inoculations to do it, inoculations that would be given out under pretenses of helping us but in actual fact would attack the brain itself not just the brain but specific parts of the brain that part that Kessler said which gave you your ability to think as an individual your higher critical judgments your intellect that's what they wanted to attack and when you look at the incredible rise of autism over the last 20 years or so it goes in parallel with the same graph as the amount of inoculations given out at a very early age. Autism at one time used to be recognizable from pretty well birth when the child didn't go through the normal milestones all up the way to seeing Dada and Mama. Now they're normal up until the age of two when they get the inoculations. They have a tremendous fever which every doctor is taught is normal and he tells the mother so. And then, after that, the child regresses and no longer says Dada and Mama. And the problems are there. Now it's accepted as being normal, but the graphs show they're in parallel with the amount of inoculations given within the same areas or states in the U.S. or counties in Canada or England. Well known in the higher medical authorities what they're doing, the general practitioners have a hard time dealing with it, but they themselves eventually do know because they, you can't help but thinking and seeing the results. They know what, what's happening there. So we're under attack, an attack planned by a dominant minority, which Aldo Huxley, a member of this group, actually belonged to, and he spoke on their behalf too, and he said uh, the same thing, that there's no problem with 
basically giving most of the people a false sense of reality, a make-believe world. What's wrong with that? He said most of them are unhappy anyway. And he knew that because the system they have given us of money and taxation and all the burdens that go with it, the hurry and the scurry, he knew that most people really are not really happy. And he knew at the top, too, that no matter how many goodies they give us to buy all these little rewards that we're taught to get for ourselves at the end of the month to make it all worthwhile, they knew that eventually there wouldn't be enough and they'd have to do something more with the people to make them manageable. And that's what they came up with, ways of lobotomizing chemically the general public and and they believe they're doing the right thing according to themselves. They call it the noble lie. You must lie to the little people because, you see, the little people are too dumb and stupid to understand poor dears. And that's how they justify it. World peace to this elite means the absence of all opposition. The absence of all opposition means the absence of all people or any people with critical thinking abilities left. That's what it's all about. And hence, they have put their faith in science, through science they will conquer, and they're on the rush of genetic engineering. They're way beyond what the public are told. They have been all along. You'll find that mathematicians like Rutherford, uh, one of the greatest mathematicians who ever lived, was employed working on genetic research back in the 1920s, long before supposedly they could actually see the genes and deal with them. Well, you wouldn't need you wouldn't need a mathematician if you couldn't see the the, the actual genes. You wouldn't need them; they would have no purpose. So they they were into this a long time ago, and they can now create complete human beings from scratch, designer-made humans. And the only problem they have now is to bring all the old world down. As I say, the symbol of the Twin Towers, the Jachen and Boas, that kicks off this new American century for the 21st century. The 21st century was always very important to them. Arthur C. Clarke, a very high Freemason, wrote 2001 and 2010, two great novels with a lot of truth in them. And this guy, I remember, was a Nobel Prize winner. He was no dummy. He talked about this agenda, which would be kicked off in 2001, with a great discovery, a new change that would come all over the world. We know where the music's played. Hey, folks. Let's go out. Alan Watt here again, filling in for Michael Herzog. And I'm going through some of the the deeper meanings behind what's happening today. Meanings which are kept from the public. The public are given panic and hype and fear and terror because it's worked in all ages and all times past. You have the ancient Caesars and Neros of Rome who used to use the same tactic where they'd get a group, real or imaginary, claim they were being attacked from within and they lived amongst you and then the whole population was put under martial law. There's nothing new in this technique. It was also used, to see, after and during the French Revolution, the reign of terror, and the Soviets also used it, because once the Soviets had basically completed their border and didn't expand outwards anymore, 
you had to find an enemy within. When you have a totalitarian government, you must find an enemy anywhere and everywhere, and so they find the enemy within. When you look at the coordination of the anti-terrorist bills that were into effect in every nation pretty well in the world at the same time after 9-11, that should surely tell you that no countries involved were actually independent. They had them, all these agreements made long before it happened, and they all basically pushed the same anti-terrorist bills through at the same time. In Canada, Alan Rock, this strange uh, lifelong politician who always get, got put into high cabinet um, positions, uh, was, uh, he was in, in the charge of uh, the Justice Department for Canada in the 90s, and he single-handedly put through a complete omnibus bill, which was exactly the same as the anti-terrorist bill. And the, the newspaper reporters at the time were all questioning, well, what is this for? Nothing's happening in the world. The Cold War is over. They didn't have this during the Cold War even. And what's going on? Of course, none of them dared go any further because they're not supposed to. The media is all bought and paid for, and they like their paychecks. And uh, this went through. We actually had it on the books before it happened around 1998, before 2001 came up. So we were already ready for it. And after 9-11, it was announced on the, the CBC in Canada, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is run by the government, uh, that basically all security forces were integrated already with that of the United States, including the intelligence services. So, uh, you see, this was all planned. It had to be. They'd made all the preparations in advance of 9-11, and 9-11 kicked off the event, the high occultic symbol. When it comes, it falls within the old Ides of September, as they call it, where a goddess is born out of the head of Zeus or Kronos himself and self-born God it means a new system something which willed itself into existence in the high occultic circles which the elites all belong to they're taught this stuff at the top so there's nothing new under the sun just the same techniques over and over with occultic terminology to get an agenda going the biggest problem has been written on the books in sociology for the last 100, 200 years, actually going back to the 1700s, from the days of Thomas Malthus, the economist for the British East India Company, was overpopulation. They always believed as a magic number the population will reach, and then there'll be chaos. They couldn't keep control over them. Therefore, they've been very, very busy for centuries finding ways of culling us off. Malthus suggested they put all of the useless eaters and the sick and the deformed and so on in special housing in the worst areas outside cities over swamps and stuff so they'd die, you see, help them die quicker. He was a very humanitarian type of, of fellow and, and also uh, diet was very important according to Malthus you'll find diet is very important in all ages. Even the Egyptians practiced special diets for the slaves. They wanted them to be fit and healthy physically, but not too fit that they could walk off elsewhere or walk outside into another, another country 
and, and escape. They, they didn't want them too bright, so they knew the combinations of foods to give them, which would feed the body to an extent, but not the mind. They were, they were rather slow, you might say. Well, look around you today. Everything that you eat has been under attack. All of the food you're buying is processed. It's grown um, in, uh, by the big agribusinesses, and it's all genetically modified, which is to modify you. Back in a minute after these messages. I'm Alan Watts, standing in for Michael Herzog, who's up to his eyes in work, as are we all indeed. And I'm going through some of the reasons why we've arrived at this spot in history, this time where things are changing rapidly. And everyone in the general society is hoping secretly that things can go on as they've been trained, that it's, it's normal. Really, there's nothing normal under the sun in this system. It constantly changes. The America of 20 years ago, the Canada of 20 years ago and 30 years ago, is completely different uh, to, to the, the situation today. We've been de-industrialized, a process that was decided at the first big NATO meetings after World War II, where Britain agreed to secretly deindustrialize and not tell the population that's now been admitted with declassified records out of London. Of course, the generations that went through the deindustrializing process and all the misery that caused were not told any of this at the time. And after that was to happen, an amalgamation of Europe was to occur, and it was planned back then in 1945. Then the United States was to amalgamate too with Canada. Mexico followed by all the rest in turn and you'd have a, a United Americas which would also gradually be deindustrialized although Latin America was to be built up by agri-food businesses to produce all the food all the grown produce that we would need however it's rather evident to anyone who studied economics that if you're not manufacturing then you're a service economy and all the big top boys agree that a service economy is really like a dog paddling in a water until he can't paddle anymore. He runs out of strength and steam and he'll sink. It's a temporary stop measure. So what's to happen for the future? Well, the future is simple. The, the brightest of the bright, according to this whole New World Order agenda, will be hired by international corporations and they will travel across the world. They were to be the new nomads the servants of the elite, this new high bureaucratic, technocratic class, and they will, the creme de la creme, will find work wherever they're told to in the world. The rest of them will either start leaving the country as the new boat people, according to Jack Satali, who was a big mover and shaker in the unification of Europe, and the Americans have to be the next boat people looking for work abroad. What happens to those who are left behind? They'll find ways of gradually reducing the population they already have. If you haven't noticed the spraying above you and the massive increase in chronic bronchitis and lung diseases that it's causing, this is all part of the same agenda uh, of depopulation. They want uh, the people in the rural areas to move first, to move off and into the cities. The existing big cities are to be the habitat areas according to the United Nations where you'll all live eventually step by step in rented accommodation. No private accommodation will be allowed down the road. 
and there'll be no private transportation. That's why you've never been given uh, these hydrogen cars or the electric cars and all the things I've talked about and done nothing about over the years. You're only given vehicles while you lived in rural areas and, and traveled to, to cities where there were, you had industry. Now that that's gone, you won't need to travel, you see. Our masters at the top are very, very efficient in these things, and they foresaw this over a 100 years ago. They would gradually get you back into the habitat areas, close down the rural areas by all means possible, and you'll be all living on top of each other in the cesspools of the city, the most abnormal way of living that anyone could have devised. And I mean that seriously because the ancients knew this too. Plato said we would create cities, artificial beehives, which meant that everything that happens within a city must live on a system of economics run on money. That money is the key to everything. It can't feed itself. It can't do anything for itself. Everything is brought into it. But what you can do in such an artificial system is give the inhabitants an artificial way of living, and you can literally alter their culture in any direction you want very quickly, and the public never see it. They, they adopt and obey. That's the tricks that were known thousands of years ago, and for those who want to know more, read all the writings of Plato. He was a member of the aristocracy of Greece. He believed he was a member of the, the elites, and he spoke on behalf of the elite and their, their, their plans. As I say, there's nothing new under the sun. I can't say that enough because it crops up all the time. Even in scientific experiments, there's the famous one they do all with every intake of students of starting off a big cage with a couple of rats and you watch them with their social behavior until they breed to a specific number and then they become deviant. They turn on each other, they bite each other, they might even eat each other and there's all kinds of deviant uh, sexual aberrations break out as well. It's the same with humans and that's why for cultural change uh, those who, who run the techniques of culture decided that cities would be their main beehive for creating this system for the whole world. But the rural people must be put off their lands. That was a, 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 prime, a prime thing to do. Even in the ancient times, Rome fell, not just because of barbarians invading them, but because they had taxed the rural population so much that they eventually rose up at the end and finished off Rome. However, not before the elite got out with all their loots to start off an empire elsewhere, as they always do. Today, the elite have already been getting cities, brand new, the most modern, ultra-modern cities built for themselves in China to accommodate primarily a middle-class, bureaucratic, um, white population with all the, the most recent amenities that they're used to, or even are not used to yet, because they're in advance of America. And uh, these are sparkling, brand-new cities that all use the, the technocrats, the scientific elite, the scientific types of bureaucracies that we now have running this world. And they've also set up, um, and they're setting up new cities in Bahrain in the Middle East. That will expand as well as it take country after country over but what will happen to the old countries, they've served their purpose. America was the new world. 
that this is the new world order is moved on from America. And what do they do when an empire has used its purpose, served its purpose? They collapse the empire behind it. This is standard down through history. We're all really already living through the collapse. We're seeing the price inflation. We're seeing all the phoniness around us, the cheap, cheap things we buy that don't last long. They all break. They're non-repairable. Um, we're seeing the end of an era, basically, the end of a plan. And we're watching the big boys manage the, the strings of the puppets. And we're all supposed to dance to their tune at the bottom without thinking. Unfortunately, most people do not think. They, they'd rather believe that just a bad bunch took over the government recently. And that's why things are going to pot. But nothing is further from the truth. Jefferson himself, who was a member of the old Illuminati of his day, from the old French Lodge, as was Benjamin Franklin. Franklin was the Grand Master of the Grand Orient Lodge in France. They both said the same things, that the United States of the Americas would be a nucleus of a world federation. They both knew the agenda. They said it would be run eventually down the road by a council of 12 wise men. They also warned the public, because they spoke with four tongues, you see, one tongue for the public, one for themselves, and between themselves. And they warned that when you see an agenda unfolding between the takeovers of different parties in government, where it's left wing or right wing, followed by right wing, and then followed by left wing, when you see the same agenda unfolding, regardless of who seems to be in powder, or, uh, power, then you will know that you are under tyranny. And if people haven't noticed that regardless of who seems to be in power, the United Nations agenda has steamrolled ahead since World War II without any halt, then you know you're not sovereign. You know you're under tyranny, and you have been. The politics you've seen for the last 50 years, 60 years, has been show politics. Show politics only. It's a drama put on and staged for public consumption because they knew they had to make you believe you had rights and that you had representation and that these boys were really there to speak for you. But if you watch what they really did during all of those different changes of Congresses, it was the same agenda. It never, you never saw one party coming in and saying, well, we're going to change what the last party did. We're going to throw that out. It doesn't happen that way. They continue to take up with the last ones left off. That's what Jefferson was warning about, and it's all around you. has been all your life, so don't panic at this stage that you're, that you're waking up. Don't panic because you're, you're noticing that the little things that you become habituated to are changing, that the prices are going through the roof, and that gasoline prices are going up and down, mainly two steps up and one step back all the time. It's meant to be that way. It's just an agenda we're living through. Our lives basically are scripted for us, at least the big changes in our lives, long before we're born, in fact, because these boys that run the world have long-range timetables, and they run it like a business plan with their big projected investments in the future, which always entail the takeovers of other nations and wealth and all resources of the world. One of, one of the many interlaced 
organizations that spearheaded this unification of the Americas is the Council on Foreign Relations, as it's called in the United States, and Canada, its sister branch, is the Canadian Institute for International Affairs. It's the same club. All British Commonwealth countries have the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they work in tandem to bring all this about. In Canada, when the, the three amigos signed their first open part of the amalgamation for public consumption in 2005 in March at Waco, Texas, it was announced on Canadian television uh, that there'd be a few more after this one. Uh, the second part is to be signed this year in Canada. But they, they mentioned uh, that the Council on Foreign Relations that appeared publicly for the first time under their own banner on the mainstream news said that they drafted the whole thing up themselves. This non-governmental organization had drafted up the amalgamation of the Americas to be signed. Well, who gave them the authority to do so? Who voted them into any office over us? Well, the fact is, you no one did. We don't have anything called democracy. It's a joke. It's a sham for the public. It's to put the public to sleep thinking they have rights. The feudal system of the, of the Middle Ages is alive and well. They gave democracy for a while just to put everyone asleep and stop them rebelling every four or five years. That's why you have elections every four or five years. In the 1600s, the surveys they did in, in Britain showed that if they didn't give the people rights, there would be a revolution roughly every four or five years. So, lo and behold, they came up with this new idea called democracy. But at least in Britain and the older countries of Europe, they have an elite which they understand are there at all times, and they're called the establishment. No one votes the establishment in. Uh, the establishment are above all laws and rules. They own parts of the world, big parts, big chunks of the world, including the countries they're based in. You can't argue with these boys. Money is the key to it all. Everything in this corrupt system runs on money. I really personally don't care what kind of money it is or what form it takes. Money is the key to, to help elite families get to the top and hold power over everyone else. I don't see any way around it, to be honest with you, in a system that wants to keep money, even though they've said at the top, through their big front writers like Bertrand Russell, eventually the public will be issued credits by the state every week, every Monday, and you can't save up these credits if you don't spend them. You start off with the same figure every Monday. If you go against the system, then those credits will be withheld and you can't buy food or shelter or clothing. That will be a form of social control and punishment. This, again, has been discussed at very high-level meetings over many years by the elite themselves. And we, we will see that introduced once the ID cards come out, because the ID card that's to come out in the United States is made by the same firm that's already done it for Britain, and they announced in Britain last year that the ID card has an active chip, which also will be your banking card. This is the age, you see, that was planned a long time ago, where you won't be able to buy or sell 
without the number and being tracked and all the rest of it of the beast. The beast is the system itself. We're at that stage almost already without the single ID card. Just over the last 10 years, I've been astounded at the amount of people you see who have a card for every shop they visit. Everything they buy is being monitored by government agencies. And if you ask them if they know this, they'll say, yeah, vaguely. And you ask, does it concern you? And they'll say, no, I have nothing to hide. You see, there's no indignancy left in them. They have no indignancy anymore. They're happy slaves. They're being good. Being good means whatever the present laws are or what they'll become, they will obey automatically. That's what's called being good. So they think they're going to be safe if they just keep their heads down and play it being good. And that won't happen because, you see, if they don't have indignancy, their brains already have been attacked. It's a natural survival mechanism to want privacy. People had wars in the past to preserve privacy because in many times in the past it got to the stage then where big government wanted to monitor every person and they wanted to monitor everything you did and bought and sold and where you went and who you visited. That's called a police state totalitarian state we're seeing the exact duplication of the Sovietized system being established across the world as the elite from the west said it would be and they said at their big meetings at the club of Rome and there are other big clubs that they all they have in this amalgamation uh, that they preferred the collectivist system it was much easier to control the vast amounts of population Back in a few minutes after this. Hi folks. Alan Watt standing in for Michael Herzog. Going through just a, a few things quickly to do with how we arrived at the present state we're in and where we're going very shortly because the plans were made a long time ago and one thing you can count on is the planners never change their agenda they stick to it by all means possible that's why we're in for the long haul we are going to go through hell before we come through and see any light on the other side there's no doubt about that uh, they've already hired thousands of psychopaths on the, the lower level to do their, their, their brutal work for them and in today's society which is totally atheized they can, they've got many to choose from to recruit guys who've been brought up watching video games and playing video games and, and worshipping the black outfits of the police state the black colours of the, the executioner, that's why all police now have changed to black uniforms, they're not there as police officers or peace officers now, they're there as law enforcement agents and that's why they wear black, the executioner They've got authority to kill, and unfortunately the psychopaths they recruit has been a generation. They've come from a generation of games where the only object is to kill, 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 and win at the end, and wear the same uniform as your new brotherhood, the new brotherhood that you belong to. That's your new family. 
the same technique they use in all militaries in all ages. We're in for the long haul of brutality, and we've got to act now and speak out everywhere we can to stop this, because if one generation grows up watching uh, terrorism all over the place, at least the threat of it, and cops everywhere wearing combat outfits and machine guns, it's going to be very difficult to change. That, that type of system could last a hundred years, and that's why that Rumsfeld himself said this war might take a hundred years to complete. Now he's talking about a whole agenda into a completely new way of living, where the old ways are gone, where you don't marry who you decide to marry, or even divorce who you are in divorce. Uh, you, you'll have to get permission initially in one stage to even mate if they, they deem you acceptable. Then the next step for another generation will be, no, they're going to make you from scratch, all in petri dishes, basically. That's where it's to go. And they're not kidding about this. They're not kidding at all. They call the commoners the rejected genes. The, we, we're the junk genes that didn't make it to the top of glory and power, whereas those who've held on to it through families and interbreeding of the same families over thousands of years and who have gained the power, who have gained the finances and held on to it. They've shown by their Darwinistic, socialistic techniques that they're obviously deemed to rule the rest of us and act like our betters. They are our new gods, in other words. We're seeing it all come out now with the arrogance from statements in the press by the elite themselves. So we have to get used to this and we have to fight against it too because one generation cannot grow up wearing black-clad outfits and, and holding the guns on the whole populations. It will become a ruthless society in Brussels. Back in a little while. I'm Alan Watt. I'm standing in for Michael Herzog today, who's trying to catch up on a lot of work. I know, I know the feeling because... You'd be surprised that even the talks I do on cutting through the matrix, how much time that takes to do. Not so much the talk, but all the formatting, etc., that goes in and then the uploading to all the different sites. But I'd encourage you all to go in there and look at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and Alan sentinel.eu for many, many free talks I've given over the last few years on this agenda and all how it ties together, all the parts that, that are intricately woven together, interwoven, like, like the finest silk, all the huge organizations and branches and, and uh, the top executive leaders and how they work in politics and in, as the CEOs of big international corporations. We're under a type of fascism at the top, which is... To, be, to run the people at the bottom under a form of communism. And that's the trick of it, as the big axe of the fasci uh, stands above uh, the moon and the star of communism. And that's really what the, what the, the old scythe stood for, Saturn. Now, I believe there's some callers coming in. Be, uh, feel free to call in, and we'll have a chat. Maybe we can answer some of your questions for you. Meanwhile, I'll continue with uh, what I'm talking about now, which is the, how the Twin Towers basically was a signal, a world signal, 
a big occultic bang to set off a new part of the agenda, the next phase, which is the new world taking a system into the rest of the world, a new world order, basically. The speech given by Daddy Bush, or Poppy Bush, which is more appropriate since his big dealings with the cocaine that comes in from the heroin and the poppies grown in Afghanistan. In his speech back in 90 and in 91, both given on September the 11th, by the way, on the New World Order, a term he kept using but would never really explain to the public. It wasn't meant for the public because the public, you see, um, are kept in the dark. It was for the high members of his own circle, like the skull and bones, you know, the pirate flag, the old Templar symbol. That's what it was meant for. A new world order coming into view, he said. A big idea. A big idea. Again, it goes back to the old goddess, the goddess that was born out of the head of Zeus, and some will say Kronos, self-willed into existence by its own power and intellect, a new order of things, a warrior-type creed that would run over and rule over, and therefore was dressed in armor and carrying weaponry. That was their symbol. That's why they chose 9-11 for the date. It's interesting that 9-11, as we all know, became the emergency call number for all those guys in uniform, a term they also used after 9-11 happened uh, when Rumsfeld said, I want everyone in uniform, even the postman, to put it on because now you have an amalgamated force of one form, uniformity. And even the guys who do your post now spy on you too under Homeland Security. That's who they all work for now. Anyone with a paycheck is under Homeland Security. So this one form that's just spread all across the world, this uniformity, is a standardization process where all cultures, all peoples, will be put under the same system. All religions, as they have stood, uh, are being de uh, demolished. Christianity, as it used to be, has served its purpose for the elite, and they've already pretty well demolished uh, the old form of Christianity and brought in a new type mixed with the new age for a new era. That's what's been happening. Back in a few moments. Hi. Alan Watt back again. Playing for Michael Herzog on this Friday. And I'm talking about how this world is to be standardized. It's simply too untidy for this illiteracy. Untidiness means inefficiency. And these boys at the top want complete and pure efficiency. That is why the next big religion is to be knocked down is Islam. And Islam is so different, you see, in so many ways. It's a complete culture tied up with the religion. And that's very inefficient. They might disobey. And, of course, they knew they'd get some retaliation when they go in. Every country that's invaded always does retaliate, you hope, anyway. At least there's some survival process still working there. And now it's turned into a propaganda war, as we hear about all these nasty people over there who aren't too pleased about being invaded and run by a foreign power. Propaganda is used again in all wars to basically lie to the people 
that must be supportive of the war, and that's the general public. We don't realize in today's complex world that that little vote that you get, you don't really get to pick the person that you think you're picking. You're presented with a bunch to pick from. No different than the Politburo of the Soviet era. And uh, you don't realize, though, you are giving your, your, the power, your power, your acquiescing, uh, all your power to that person to do as he wishes by using your name. And that means going to war as well. They never mention these things when you vote them in, of course. They never mention they have upcoming wars planned and takeovers of entire continents and the resources. But nevertheless, if people would just stop voting for a change instead of voting and never learning, the ones at the top would have to come forward for the first time. They really run your country. And you'll see that, lo and behold, it wouldn't collapse after all. It would still be just as totalitarian, perhaps a little more so quicker, but you would see the teeth out as they forced you to go along with them one way or another. Uh, we're dealing with brutal types at the top, very brutal types. Uh, killing millions is nothing to them, never has been. World War II was completely set up in advance. Every historian that has written about the, the Versailles Treaty signed after World War I said that, that treaty guaranteed a second war with Germany because they could never pay off the debts, the reparations that was demanded of them. They had no option but to eventually fight it out or go under and starve to death. We know that they ended up fighting it out. We also know that the big corporations like GM, ITT, and the Rockefeller Foundations, Baxter Laboratories, a whole plethora of big companies in the West, including many belonging to Rothschilds, financed Hitler into power. They financed the Nazi war machine. They financed IG Farben, the umbrella company that all of these independent um, corporations went under. They produced all the armaments for Germany. The stock exchanges still went on through from New York and London, all during World War II, to these companies via Switzerland. And the big boys got rich and fat, as always, during wars, because Rothschild himself said he makes most of his money when the blood is running in the streets. And that's never changed. And no one was ever brought up after it for trading with the enemy and got actually charged and put away. If you go into the history of the Bush family, you'll find that one of them actually was charged, but eventually they managed to pay their way out of it. Again, nothing new under the sun. They financed their enemies into being. They used them to change the world. World War II was to change the world and society. Without World War II, Winston Churchill admitted he could never have pulled off their great idea of amalgamating Europe, something that he was completely for. The man who told the British public that to fight these terrible Nazi demons to preserve the, the British way of life was telling his own peer group and parties, many parties, did parties every night, that this was the best thing that ever happened, this war, because he said we shall realize our dreams of a united Europe. Well, the public didn't know about that, did they? They might not have gone off to fight for war if they knew that. So the public are lied to in all times when it comes to schedule.
Sir Carl Quigley defined wars and what the, the purposes were. And apart from the profit-making motives, he said the primary, the primary purpose of war is to change the cultures on a societal level on all participating sides. And that's what they did, because government grows so massively during wars. Whether it's an active physical war or a cold war, government expands drastically. And today we have this war on terror. And if you've noticed, terror has been redefined. It's constantly being updated. And there's new topics being put under terror. Uh, Someone withholding taxes or even forgetting or haven't put the right right amount down for taxes is now considered a financial terrorist. Uh, If you're talking about certain subjects, you're anti-government, a term borrowed right from the Soviet Union, and uh, and you're also put down as a terrorist. I guess you're a speech terrorist, a propaganda terrorist. Well, that's the state of the world as it is today. It's going to get a lot worse. The majority of the people will go along quite happily with it, thinking they're going to be quite safe. They'll watch their 6 o'clock news. They'll parrot their 6 o'clock news. They will not want to hear anything different. And I'm sure you've all had uh, someone put their hand to their ears and say, I don't want to hear that, when you tell them some of the truth. Because it's almost as if by knowing some of the truth, they might be guilty of something, guilty of knowing. Maybe that's what they're really afraid of. And you'll find that as a fact. I keep telling people, don't waste your time trying to wake up those nearest and dearest to you because the odds of them waking up when maybe one in 10,000 can wake up is very slim to find someone in your own family who can, who can do it at the same time. You also find that in the writings of, of Nero and Tacitus and others uh, that, that they give speeches on how they would alter a society to a totalitarian society how do we get people to give up their rights and freedoms under the threat of terror? And they said they would, they would aim all of their safety precautions towards the female because women, by nature, uh, expect, in, in the old days anyway, they expected the men to bear the problems and deal with them. Nothing has changed even though they've had a liberation forced upon them by technology and science and the birth control pill. But nothing has really changed. They still don't really want to hear. Most of them don't want to know. Some of the older ones do, because with, with age comes wisdom. Today, we don't have enough of wise older people around. Uh, they've, they've been shunned by society. Um, that was done on purpose, because in the early 1900s, the big tables, the round tables, and the Communist Party, too, said... They'd have to break up the generations so that the wise ones uh, would be pooped into old-age homes and despised by the young. They would have to break up the family, and they've done that very, very well. If you're older today, uh, you don't count. You're somehow senile or, or silly, or you're in a second childhood, and so your words fall on deaf ears if you have any wisdom at all. Unfortunately, most of them today don't have any wisdom to pass on. They have never woken up themselves through their entire lives because for a generation or two we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled not by hard work and rewards. We've been spoiled by a, a, a glut of credit cards, easy credit, 
pay later, low terms, to keep us all happy, buying rewards to please ourselves. Rewards, just like you train a rat to pull a lever and collect its reward. And that's how people live today. They think that's natural. You work for a month or so or a week, then you go off and buy yourself some goodie that's supposed to fulfill your life for you. Every ad on television tells you that if you buy this particular toothbrush, you're going to have a happy smile all day long. Or whatever else they're selling. And we know it's a farce. We know it's untrue. But people want to believe in that because they have no faith in people anymore. They don't believe they can, they can have happiness with other people anymore. Everyone has been divided scientifically through an indoctrination process from the time they were born. A scientific technique, as Aldo Huxley called it, and Russell, and many more of the same ilk. This scientific technique starts with education as young as kindergarten. I'll be back and to talk a bit more about the kindergarten. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, filling for Michael Herzog, and I think we have Rick from California that's called in with a question. Is he there? Hello? Hello? Hello. Hi, is this Alan? Yes. Hi, this is Rick from San Diego. How are you doing? Oh, good. Um, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you finally. Um, I've, I've been listening to your shows for a long time, and uh, I have a, a few questions I wanted to ask. Um, well, one of the questions is, um, like, um, if you begin to look inside yourself and you find, because, like, I've looked inside, I'm starting to look inside myself and find things that are, um, some things where I have empathy for people and around the world and other other things that are psychopathic or evil and and if if you have that, and I'm disturbed by it. Can can you change it, or is it just a, sort of a product of your breeding, and, and you can't change? It? Can you overcome it? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And also another question I have is <clears throat> that thing um, you were talking on Henry uh, or Palmgren of Sweden, uh, Red Ice. I was, that thing you were talking about in ancient times, where um, your soul and your spirit uh, merge together. Um, is, how do you know that that that's hap- that that has happened? Is is it something like a um, is it, is it um, like a burning bush type experience, or is it just um, a, a sort of a feeling? Um, how how does one know that they have um, crossed that? Yeah, well, well, the old story has always been in all ages of know thyself. It sounds so simple until you look at yourself, and in all ancient societies and in higher Christianity. Uh, I'm talking about the ancient Christianity, not anything that evolved from Rome. But in higher Christianity, they had to come to the the big question of good and evil, which is the same thing. It was matter versus spirit. In the world of matter, we have to eat and survive, and there's a tendency to be ruthless and to acquire out of this this fear of of dying through lack of food or clothing and shelter, etc., so, but on the other hand, too, we, we also knew as human beings there was something much higher to all of this than just the world of matter. And a very clever priests came along and uh, started to fool the public and control them through this need to contact something higher than themselves. But again, the ancients knew that, that you didn't need priests because it all happened within you. Your mind was the universe, all knowledge. 
knowledge was contained within you, but get to know yourself because you do have the tendencies to be a tyrant or a very benevolent sort of a decent person, a, a giver. And that's been the, the battle all down through the ages. However, in ancient times, they also talked also about the deviant creation, which was the psychopathic type, the ones that they knew were born within society with no conscience and no empathy. It simply was not there. And these are the ones who always rise to the top, especially in money systems. They dominate it, and then they dominate the people through the money and armies and force. As far as find, knowing when you were complete, You'll find lots of the writings, again, uh, of uh, the ancient Greeks, who all studied in Egypt in the higher mystery schools, and they said that, that when the other part, your soulmate, and that's what it really meant then, your soulmate um, approached, it approached only at your beckoning, not a, a spirit guide or anything like that, something that was simply separated from you a long time ago. When it came towards you, 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 your personality, your mind uh, became fulfilled, you became complete, and it altered you completely. You understood the good and the bad, but you also knew how to control the forces that were innate within you. That, that's what it used to always mean. Right. Um, it, it's a very deep subject, and I could go on for hours on it, but, but that's a, a brief synopsis of it. Can I make an observation? Yeah. Um, I noticed that, um, well, when I examine myself, too, like, if you don't have a, I noticed that if you don't have a, a piece of land where you could feed yourself, um, if you have to depend on money or on the system, it's almost impossible to to, to be perfect, um, to not affect somebody over, uh, like, like for example, um, I've been noticing so many corporations that we buy from that, they, that they're involved in, in horrible genocide in Africa and how the U.S. is depriving people of um, Uganda of their land and case after case and I notice that like everything we buy everything that we um, live in in society is t is attached to um, death and destruction and and so um, so like I guess we have to like try to do the best we can and, and speak out and, and um, try to you know pull back from society as much as we can and yet at the same time not be a complete hermit I, 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 that's, I guess that's what I'm and I'm wondering yeah, that's what it is that's what it is see most people as you probably know don't care where their food comes from. Mm -hmm. They don't care where anything comes from as long as they can buy it cheap in the stores. Mm -hmm. And they don't care if it's child labor that's making something, uh, which it often is from China. Mm -hmm. They have no empathy. You, you understand, in today's society, it isn't just saving the good people who are everywhere. There's a minority of good people to, in today's society because most of the public have the same mindset as the elite themselves. Mm. Uh, that's what's becoming very evident. Uh, yeah. They support any war that's going on as long as they can benefit it from it themselves and uh, they don't lose anything through it. They, they're, they're psychopathic in their, in their traits, in fact, even in their own interpersonal relationships. They can't keep them or, or else they're after something from someone else. Uh, they have the psychopathic traits. We have a, a psychopathic culture, you see, which we've all been born into, because those at the top gave us the culture, and those at the top are pure, pure inbred psychopaths. There's nothing humane in the system, and that's why I keep saying it, it will not last forever. It cannot, by its own standards. It will, it will fall apart, but it will go through hell before.
Okay. Well, thank you very much, Alan, for, for, for talking. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It's a pleasure to talk to you, too. All right. Um, bye-bye. Bye now. And I think there's another caller now from Connecticut. Connecticut, is it? Yeah. Hello? Oh, hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. You're, what's your name? Okay, yeah. H... E-N-R-I. It's Henry from Connecticut. I'm a regular caller of RBN. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Alan, it's great to hear you. I'm, uh, actually, I'm an old former listener of the Jackie Petru show. When uh-huh. I remember you used to be on with her, and you had excellent shows. Um, um, I, yeah, I wasn't there very long. I was like a year or so before she went off the air. Um, yeah, you, you were discussing all this stuff, and it's very, very interesting. But let me get this straight, though. Um, and I, you heard of Jack, Jack Otto also, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> this, a lot of this stuff at the very top, though, it does seem to be, all of it seems to be Khazarian, or Khazar, shall I say, mm-hmm. and Jewish, or Jewish-centered. Um, even this thing going on in Iraq, uh, even this, as a matter of fact, there was a Polish uh, Catholic official. I don't, he wasn't a, I don't know whether he's a bishop or something. I heard on Radio Netherlands this morning, made some comment about in Poland uh, and the uh, Simon Wiesenthal Center and made some comment saying they should shut him up or they should punish him or whatever in Austria. They made a comment because they're not in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, because he made some comment saying that the. Uh, the Jewish community in um, Poland is uh, sort of fi- uh, using and manipulating the Holocaust for their own financial gain. But uh, this guy, uh, Senator up here, um, his name is Joe Lieberman. I don't know how he got back in because the other guy, Lamont, beat him in the primary or hit him music. Um, but he, he he's trying to educate edu- people to support a war in Iran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll answer that when I get back, yeah. Hello. I'm Alan Watt filling in for Michael Herzog, and we're talking there from a caller on uh, some Jewish influence in this New World Order, this uh, Zionism, basically. Now, Zionism has many levels of meaning, depending on what circle you, you join. And uh, if you go back, you have to go back in history to find out really how this whole world agenda was planned, when it was planned, who participated, in which groups were to be involved. And if you go back to the writings of John Stuart Mill, who was an economist in England in the 1700s, and then his son took over of the same name, also an economist working for the nobility and the elite establishment of London, they drafted up a series of, of races which would be useful to achieve this end. In fact, they also drew up a, a list of races that completely considered inferior, which should not be allowed to come through. They, they saw them as being destructive and would have to be eliminated. Uh, Hitler gets the blame of drafting these up. He simply copied them from Mills and H.G. Wells, who worked for the British elite. H.G. Wells wrote a, a summary of history called uh, History of the World, Part 1 and 2. It was finished by his son uh, in New York, but uh, he also drafted up the, the list of chosen peoples that would be useful for the dominant minority to use to bring it all about. And they chose to bring in Jewish people because they said they had great management experience 
and great education, they'd proven uh, that through times of turbulence and, and horror, they could still come through on top. They were survivalists, and they were very good, of course, at managing the money system. And so they decided to bring in what was what eventually was called Zionism. However, it was run from London, and other groups apart from the Zionists were to come into this. You would understand that the top of Zionism, uh, which was funded, in fact, into existence by not just Rothschild, but also by the British establishment, at the top, they're all psychopathic, and you have them in every culture. And they can be the head of some uh, group in China, or the, the, the heads of some of the Hindu groups. They don't care uh, what name they give themselves at the top, or what cover they go under. A psychopath is a psychopath, and you have a world club of the elite psychopaths today. You have aristocracy amongst them all. You have Jewish aristocracy that never mixes with the ordinary Jewish person, and they intermarry too and interbreed at a higher level. Um, you'll find the Balfour Declaration, if you go read the whole thing, it's very interesting, because Balfour, who was the Prime Minister of England at the time, also went through this process of why they had to set up an outpost in the Middle East, and they would use the Jews to do it, and they would set up an armah. If you understand what armah meant, it was setting up a, a British post in, in Ireland, uh, that would cause mayhem down up to the present day with Catholics and Protestants. You put a foreign people in in the midst of people that you want to conquer, they create eternal strife, and there has to be a resolution down the road as people become war-weary. Well, that's why they set up the State of Israel. The British government pulled thousands and thousands of troops from the World War I fronts, the trenches in Europe, and put them into the Middle East to take over Palestine from the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Empire that ruled it at the time. Britain did the fighting. Britain took it over, and Lord Storrs was put over that on behalf of the Queen as the Consular General, and he ran Palestine. You should read his books as, as they set up the future state of Israel. The books are called the Orientations, and read his memoirs as well. Uh, lots of good information written from the horse's mouth and he also said we are setting up a new Ulster an Ulster, sorry, as opposed to an Armagh but an Ulster, we're setting it up in the Middle East it would serve Britain for years to come there's more to this than meets the eye well, hmm. well that's very interesting uh, what you're saying but I also was told by uh, a couple of sources that the British royalty is well, which I mean, you know this because you're an expert with this, but the British royalty as well as the um, Spanish royalty as well as the uh, Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands are not the real royalty at all, that they are really Rothschild or Rothschild people. Well, no, there's Max Coburg Gotha is the real name. They're Prussian. Right, they're, they're Jewish. Yeah. yeah, but they're not German-German. They're Jewish Khazarian. Uh, 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 matter of fact, the Queen Elizabeth—they're really uh, in that, that inbreeding when they marry into each other. That's uh, Khazarian. What you'll find at the top is that the psychopaths who have power and money will breed with any other people with power and money, and who are also psychopaths. See, we're so easy with this. We want to find a specific target because obviously the ordinary Gentile guy couldn't do this monstrous stuff to Gentiles. Well, that's hogwash. 
the history of this world is with people beaten up other people, some, sometimes the guy living next door to you, we are certainly capable of being very destructive to our own people. Read your own histories. Yeah, but I look, I read stuff with the ancient uh, Germanic tribes and even the ancient Scandinavians, um, you know, the ancient Norse from uh, uh, Norway and Sweden and stuff, I mean, long before Christianity even came around. They did not interbreed with each other like these Khazar royalty, even the ones they were, back then they would call a so-called king. He wasn't a, called a king, but in that kind of format uh, position, they didn't interbreed with their own sister and brother. This stuff is a very Jew-type thing. And I was told... Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. The ancient Egyptians did it, too. Well, so yeah, did the ancient you're, Sumerians you're talking did about it. the Luciferian Egyptians when the, when the Luciferian religion took over the original pagan religion of Egypt because Egypt is really could be ten thousand years old. But like Osiris compared to Ra, isn't Osiris really a fake god, which is a representation of sun? It's nothing to do with gods. It's nothing to do with gods. It's all esoteric. That means nothing to do with actual. Right, right. Being. It's a representation a representation of man's intellect and. And of Lucifer, which is representation and intellect. I mean, the, the Osiris and the all-seeing eye. The illumined it's mind. Deeper, and... It's even deeper than that. And, and you'll find even the Akkadians who came in initially into Sumer and started the whole ball of wax rolling off married their sisters, and they were, they were not Semitic people. Uh-huh. Well, let me ask this about Hitler uh, before I let you go move on to another caller. Otto says that Hitler might have been related to Rothschild even though he didn't like Jews. Mm-hmm. Have you came across something that's similar? There's a lot of information that he may have been, according to his mother, who they claim was a housekeeper for the Rothschilds right, for Rothschild, and the Rothschild right. family. However, you'll never know um, for sure. See, these, these things are wonderful for speculation, because without the ultimate proof, that's all you're left with is speculation. But, right, we, but he, we know, do he know. wrote another book called New World Order, did he? I mean, along with Mein Kampf, didn't he write another book, but it's not right, widely circulated, called The New World Order? Oh, yeah, he used the term, but he wasn't the first to use the term New right, World Order. But didn't Order. he write a second book? Yeah, trying he did to find write that. a couple of books, yeah. Okay, so it's a couple of books. Is more than two? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, articles he put out in magazines as well over the years. Oh, yeah, but I'm talking about two books. I mean, when he uh-huh. came into power, and I'm not talking about the pre-artist Hitler. I'm yeah. sure he did a lot of different things. I'm talking about once he was in power, when he had his political thing that he was doing. Mm-hmm. He supposedly wrote two books. I know Mein Kampf, but there's supposedly Otto said there's another one, but it's not widely circulated. It's not many copies around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. called New World Order. Well, I had somebody read the unexperted edition of Mein Kampf. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go because I know you got other callers. Um, I'm not saying all Jews, and I'm not, I'm not uh, necessarily sympathize with national socialism per se, even on Germ- German extraction. Mm-hmm. But uh, that guy, according to the person who did read the whole, almost the whole thing, and this was an unchanged book, uh, I think it was Hearst and Blackett edition, that guy really did know those people. I mean, I'm not making a joke. The stuff that's going on now, the stuff that happens about them when they go in any any country and... Uh, like you can see how we should be very third, we should be very mixed and diverse, but yet Israel should stay all Jewish. Uh, the, all the stuff that he's saying about when they take over, look what they're doing right now with the gold market. Gold is going up to 680 something. Now, see when gold goes past 690 uh, something, I discuss this with Robbie Noel from Republican Trading, Republic Trading Group. They try to ham, sell down so many tons and hammer the gold down, you know, lower the price. Oh, it isn't just them. I'll tell you, the biggest players in the market for gold in the world, and they always have been, 
are the last ones you'd think of because it's India. The Brahmins of India sit in the largest untapped reserves of gold, but the biggest purchase of, of gold in the entire planet. Yeah, but they're not manipulating it like the Roth House of Rothschild does, in other words. They, they, all, they all manipulate it. They all oh, manipulate I thought they were just buying it for their own... Um, oh, no, no, they hoard it, too. And, and they oh, so they're open. flipping it, they're bouncing it back and forth between uh, yeah. them to Rothschild to China, and they're all playing together? Or? These guys all play together. At the top, as I say, these characters don't care what titular religion you were christened or born under. They don't care. As long as you're one of them, you're one of an established elite that have proven their worth. Some of them don't want to sell because they know what's coming up, even the Chinese. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This yeah, but if system, they sell it back to Rothschild, then this system is going to come in. Sell it back to them anymore. It's, it's going to be a, a system where you, you won't have any money. You'll have credits given by government. Yeah, like that thing in Star Trek, right? Like Gene Roddenberry. It, it's been written about by the elite themselves. They said this 100 years ago they'd bring this in. Yeah, but didn't Gene Roddenberry write that in the Star Trek thing? Because in the Star Trek movie, they were talking about credits when they're buying... Uh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, All right, I remember that. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll let you go. All okay. right, nice talking to you. Excellent show. Yep. And I think now um, there's also Roger... Uh, is it Roger? It's Pencil. Well, that was a Roger, was it? Was well, it Roger? This is... How you doing? Not so bad. How are you? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate the show. I, and I don't mean to even sound like I'm locking uh, horns with you uh, here. Because uh, I'm really not. Just, well, it will sound a little that way at first. But, you know, the, the uh, psychopathic, the term, uh, is sort of a, a atheistic uh, uh, substitute for the sin nature, which is uh, universal to present-day man, of course. Uh, you know, all... Uh, all sins are now converted to uh, disorders, and the only thing to be uh, guilty of anymore is uh, guilt, I guess, mm -hmm. per se, but not any, uh, uh, you know, the, we have all our sins reduced to uh, these uh, atheized terms. But uh, there's, and I, I thought you were suggesting earlier that, you know, the, it, in the uh, physical and material plane that... Uh, that maybe it implied that all uh, physical uh, existence was in, uh, inherently uh, evil. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not, I'm not quite stating that that quite right, but that's been one of the, uh, I, I think, fallacies. Now, uh, the Presbyterians, as uh, characterized by, I guess, Calvin's uh, tulip doctrine with a T being uh, total depravity, held that all creation was depraved or fallen and affected by the... Uh, by the uh, sin nature, including, uh, you might say, inanimate objects, mm -hmm. were also part of the fall. Yeah, the, the fall is to, the fall into matter. That's what it means. Well, you fall into the world of matter, where there are fixed laws in matter. And it's oh, true enough, you either eat or you work or you die. Uh, well, that, that kind of thing. The problem is to become so engrossed in the world of matter... And it would be much easier if, if I dominate all of you and then you keep me in a good lifestyle, then I don't have to worry about all those fears anymore. And that's the problem, you see, with the world of matter. That's how the elite arise, and they're able to dominate everyone else by generally using a money system. The ancient people, remember, had no money of any kind. And they lived in a tribal-type setting where everyone in the tribe was important to the tribe, regardless of your fitness physically or anything else. No one was left out of the tribe. 
and money really was the corrupting factor that, that allowed an, an elite to get a leisure class that could study and study over time and then become uh, basically a priesthood that could then dominate. She would only learn in class. So money was the key. Without money, you couldn't have had this leisured class that could sit and plan a future for the rest of the people. And uh, the temptation in the world of matter is to become pragmatic, to do that which is practical until you throw out anything which is of, of a humanitarian nature. And so you have an aberrant type creature, and that is the psychopath. The psychopath can rationalize any evil act against other people um, to, to please his own ego. They have no problems with that. They have no conscience. It's difficult for ordinary people to understand someone existing like that, but there, there are many of them who live and exist like that today. Yeah, well, I think uh, the word pragmatism is almost inherently uh, pejorative, uh, in the, in the, certainly in the sense in which it's used in the political realm uh, as being, you know, uh, uh, apart from, uh, from any moral considerations. So it's an amoral posture, and therefore it's an immoral one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one thing if you say you're going to, you know, put up your greenhouse in your backyard while you'd like to do this, uh, make it deluxe, but in the short term you're just going to be pragmatic and uh, mm-hmm. and throw up a, a tarp instead, you know, of what you yeah. really like. But that's a different, a whole different context of the usage. And uh, I guess William James, or, or they're one of those uh, pointy-headed intellectuals, developed uh, pragmatism into a, an idealized political philosophy to be used in what I would regard as that pejorative, inherently pejorative context. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, you know, what I was getting at is that there's not, a, I like to bang this going at least a couple of three times a year, maybe not often enough, and that is these elites get away with this because they're relying on catering to our inherent sin nature, which is to always be, we're always, we're all basically manipulative buggers. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of the object uh, for all of us is to get other people to do our work. Mm-hmm. And so this is what the, uh, uh, this is inherent to socialism. Is it, It's an inherently a uh, spiritual uh, uh, problem of selfishness. And so we can't even think to get rid of the uh, Illuminati One World or Burger elites without at least simultaneously thoroughly discrediting the socialist enterprise in all its forms. Mm-hmm. You see, socialism that was pushed as a t- was a temporary thing, and, and the elite who gave us socialism said it would be. But it's, and during that period, they would lull the people to sleep by, by keeping them in a perpetual childhood so that they wouldn't care what was happening around them. They'd be too happy playing forever with toys and doing things they like to do, enjoyment. And that's why they use socialism up until this present point. Now they're starting to pull the rug from underneath your feet, and uh, they haven't given you anything to replace it with, so you have panic setting in.
And um, I don't know if there's any more callers, but I'd like you all to check in to my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com and alanwattsentinel.eu. You'll find transcripts in different languages of my talks made available. You can download them for free. And I'd like to thank all the staff out there that are doing this all for me from all over the world, very busy people who do care what happens in this world and are doing something about it. And um, I'll be on for the first half with John Stadmiller coming up in a few minutes. And I'd like to close off this this uh, second hour with, with just stating the fact, again, that you have to look at the elite of all cultures, all peoples. You'll find they gain their power by the same means, by being ruthless and cunning, and by dominating and slaughtering people down through the years. Now you have one big club, a club that was under many names. Uh, the Illuminati is simply the lowest term they'll use, but they are all working in cahoots today, have been for a long time, and it's time the ordinary people start to see through this, the race game, to overcome it and survive. Thanks for listening.